Welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants with me, Lauren. And me, Graham. And we are well into the fixtures of the festive season. Obviously, we've had some bad news from Boris and it is what it is. But yeah, we've definitely got lots of football to be talking about. Don't you really miss watching live football this time of year, Dad? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, too. I mean, it's good on the telly, but being able to uh, you know, have that whole day out at a football match, missing it terribly. Oh, that's the thing. Christmas time, get some nice hot drinks, hot pies, take it down to the football match. I think that's what we're all missing right now. But yeah, at the moment, touch wood, we're able to still keep watching lots of matches on TV. And there's even a free one, isn't there, on BBC... Is that Boxing Day? Uh, Villa, is it, I think? Yeah, yeah. why are they doing that? Just, uh, I'm not sure. Just feeling nice and festive and Christmas things like spirit. that. Christmas spirit. Yeah, and all that. So we're going to be rounding up the top four English divisions as well as Hams and Rants and Raves in between all that. So I'm going to kick off about the Premier League and quickly round that up from the weekend. Well, you had a seven-goal hammering at Selhurst Park, Palace nil, Liverpool seven, to be fair, I watched it in Crystal Palace, I thought, were well, quite unfortunate, actually. 1-0 uh, down, they looked actually pretty lively, threshing, potentially could score. Jordan Ayew kind of had a sit of an opportunity just to lay it off. I think it's to Zaha, but completely made a right hash of it. Um, but in the end, Liverpool pretty much unstoppable. Goals and assists from everywhere. Minamino, I think he got his first Premier League goal. Henderson got on there. Salah came on with like 20 minutes ago and he scored a brace. So just looking really at their best and considering all the injuries they've had, um, just putting it all to one side and playing some really good football at the moment. So yes, a really good result for Liverpool overall and Palace have been playing really well and probably just a bit unfortunate. Like I said, early on the game, they looked like they might actually get going. But after a couple of goals were in, that was it then. It was just Liverpool all the way through. And then the other match we had was Everton versus Arsenal, which resulted in another win for Everton, 2-1. They've now beaten Chelsea, Leicester and Arsenal in the space of seven days. So fantastic result for them. Um, They're on 26 points and it's just a whole other story for Arsenal. Another defeat. That's their eighth Premier League defeat so far this season. And they're right at the bottom of the table, well, down there, near the relegation, 14 points. Alan Shearer, match of the day, was saying he generally isn't confident that they will escape relegation. Even that, he was like, well, with the current squad, you never know. They might even get dragged down there. What do you reckon? Like, definitely 100% they're going to stay up? Uh, Yeah, I'd say 100% they'll stay up. But I think um, it's it's a bit of a poor position they're in, definitely. Arteta, or will he stay or will he go now? Uh, I don't know, he's had over a year, so I think they they seem to want to support him and they'll give him lots of time, but they definitely can't afford to be relegated, that's for sure. I remember when they he first got appointed, actually, you had your doubts because you said, yeah, he'd been assisting Pep Guardiola, but he'd never actually been a manager before, whereas someone like Lampard, he did Derby, then Chelsea. Do you reckon that was a good reason to doubt him maybe in the first place? Yeah, it's a big first job. I always thought Ancelotti would get Arsenal, but uh, Ancelotti's doing a good job at Everton, so fair play. And then on Sunday, we had loads of really close affair matches in terms of positions within the table. Leicester winning away at Tottenham 2-0 was a huge result, meaning they obviously leapfrogged them in the table. And 
Um, I was a bit disappointed, really, with Tottenham. I've been really enjoying watching them play this season. I know some people maybe critique their defensive style or shape or approach. But for me, I just think, you know, when certain players just don't necessarily turn up on the day, it just never seemed from the word go like they were ever really going to cause too much problems with Leicester, who just were really organised in defence, seemed to have a good shape. Um, and Serge Aurier's silly mistake to give away the penalty to Vardy just... I think got the ball rolling a little bit more for Leicester. And then obviously the Toby Alderweireld own goal as well in the 59th minute just kind of meant to even made it even harder obviously for Tottenham to come back. Um but the big match of the day, eight goals at Old Trafford and Scott McTominay became the first player to score twice inside the first 3 minutes of a Premier League game ever. Obviously Man United against Leeds 6 Two, it was an amazing match. From the word go, you could see that all the Man United players were completely up for it. And you just almost always predict and know that Leeds are going to show up, which they did. And I think the score really doesn't reflect necessarily what was a a close game. Um, But you cannot say that Man United didn't deserve to win. I thought McTominay obviously was fantastic. But then obviously Bruno Fernandes was brilliant. Rasha played really well. He was unlucky not to get on the score sheet, I thought. Um, Martial obviously ended up getting three assists. Didn't get on the score sheet, but he looks pretty sharp. His first touch and things like that in and around the box was good. Just his maybe his finishing would just um, let him down a little bit. So yeah, it was just Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think at one point he did smile. I mean, come on, he never changes facial expressions, but certainly deserves a smile after that one. So now at the top of the table, you've got obviously Liverpool in top, 31 points. Leicester in second, so they now have moved up, 27 points. Man United, 26 points, but they have got a game in hand. Then Everton, same number of points. And then Tottenham have now dropped down to fifth, obviously two losses in a row with 25 points. And then there was one more match to talk about on the Sunday. Do you know, I was so close to making my rave this week about Big Sam being back in the Premier League. And I'm kind of glad I didn't now because, yep, their first match under Big Sam at home to Aston Villa. And it was 3-0 to Villa in the end. El Ghazi got two and then Traore got one. A rotten start for the baggies under Allardyce after they got Livermore, got a 37-minute. He got a red card, so that just... Well, you could, yeah, pretty much um, made it so much harder for West Brom anyway. So, yeah, not the best of starts. Normally, under a new manager, you have that first win. It just seems to sometimes lift the players, but not in this case. So, I think Big Sam's finally realising what a big job he's taken on, definitely around Christmas time. And so, West Brom, they stay second from bottom with seven points. Um, and Burnley obviously ahead of them on 10 points but they've got two games in hand as they play Monday tomorrow night against Wolves and obviously you've got Chelsea versus West Ham and championships and good matches yesterday quite a lot of goals actually so the first one um, Birmingham won Middlesbrough 4 uh, Birmingham scored first and you thought, here we go, they're going to get going. But uh, 2-1 by half-time, Asomba Longer and Saville in the first half for Middlesbrough. Uh, and then they ran away 4-1 winners. So um, uh, Neil Warnock seems to have got them in shape. They struggled last season. They seemed to be um, they were down close to relegation last season. So Neil Warnock's taken over and as you would expect, uh, he's got them going. A solid team, four shots on goal, four, target, uh, four shots on target, four goals. That's pretty good. 
so they're up to sixth in the playoff places. So, um, yeah, Middlesbrough might uh, make a fist of it this year. And Birmingham slipping down to 17th. You're never quite sure what's going to happen with Birmingham. But, uh, yeah, good win for Middlesbrough. Brentford-Reading, sort of a um, two likely promotion hopefuls battled it out. Um, Brentford won 3-1. Reading missing the top scorer, Jow. Struggled a bit, 3-1 to Brentford. Uh, not many shots on target. Brentford 4, Reading 5, considering it was 3-1. Brentford now unbeaten in 13, which is uh, really good. Uh, and they're up to 4th. And Reading are now down to 8th. They had a really good start. So they've lost a few recently, but they're still up there, thereabouts. But Brentford on a roll, 13 uh, games without a defeat, up to 4th. And then finally, uh, it's worth mentioning, Sheffield Wednesday managed to get a win. First win under Poulis after a nine-game winless run. A Leeds winner in the 67th minute. Sounded like a dour affair listening to Cammy on the telly. Uh, every time they went to him, what's happened? Nothing. <laughs> so uh, Kevin Westwood, the Wednesday keeper, was certainly man of the match by the sounds of it. Lots of critical saves. Robbins, the Coventry manager, was moaning about the pitch. Said it was horrific. Coventry had 60% possession. Five shots on goal but just couldn't quite get there. So Sheffield Wednesday off the bottom of the league on goal difference uh, and, of course, did the minus six points to start off with. So uh, Tony Poulis will be very relieved to get that win. Sheffield Wednesday, not the only pitch looking pretty, uh, what's the word, battered around. Did you see Swansea's pitch? Yeah, Swansea's oh look like a quagmire. Gosh. I wonder if somebody had been, like been playing rugby on, um, on possibly on the, the Swansea one, but I couldn't understand the Sheffield one. Bad weather, I guess. Right, rant time. And I was just like flicking through some news online and then suddenly my rant came to me very quickly. Obviously, this uh, this week, Watford announced that they'd sacked their head coach, Vladimir Ivic, after four months in the role. Yet another coach that barely lasts any time at Watford. So my rant is about the regular manager dismissal. They've actually, under Ivic, they won 9 out of 20 championship games this season. So not amazing, but they're fifth in the table, four points off Bournemouth in second and nine off Norwich on top. So as someone who I don't really follow a lot of Watford, I know they've been very up and down. But when I look at the table, I wouldn't necessarily think they're a team that are maybe going to sack their manager. But obviously, that's what they've done. And so they're looking now for their fifth manager in just over a year. I think last season they finally got their comeuppance really when they sat Nigel Pearson and then literally I think it was like three matches to go and obviously they got relegated. So you'd think they kind of learn from that in that the whole quick manager dismissal that they tend to do. And obviously it seems to have sent since Watford's Italian owners, the Pozzo family, took control uh, back in 2012. There have been 13 changes of managers in less than 10 years. So I was looking at some of the bookies and some of the top well the ones they're saying they're hinting could be getting the role Paul Cook former Wigan manager what do you think about that Paul Cook uh will be a surprise I thought Billich might get yeah. it actually. yeah Billich I think Cook was up there then Billich Eddie Howe uh, I'd be surprised if Eddie Howe went there to be mm. fair John Terry oh That's yeah I could see that happening I think John Terry will move out of Aston Villa at some point he's been the number two there for a while there seems to be they're doing quite well. So, yeah, I could imagine Terry taking it, actually. Yeah, definitely. But whoever takes it, you're in um, for a bit of a bumpy ride because the owners don't seem to be sticking with anyone for too long. So, yeah, I just think sometimes they just need to try and stick with the manager. For example, who was at Hassan who taught Southampton? They get hammered 9-0. They stuck with him. And look what's happened to Southampton a year later. So that's my rant. Uh, mine's about Pepe, the Arsenal forward, and uh, yeah. just watching the uh, match and then listening to the summarising by the uh, the pundits. 
and just really describing the way he sort of just is not really doing much. Twenty five years old, so he's not on really? the end oh, not on the end of his career. He should be absolutely fit as a fiddle. By far the highest ever paid for a, a Arsenal player, seventy two million quid. He had a decent uh, turnout at Lille in France, seventy four games, thirty five goals. But they're talking about him in other ways, sort of just about breaks into a run and walks a lot and I mean it's just a real weird state of affairs that somebody who should be so talented should be absolutely busting a gut to uh, to get goals, to make chances, to impress, to earn his money, uh, to pay off his transfer fee and it's just not happening. It's just a bit strange really. Whether it's a reflection on Arsenal's overall performance mm. or whether... But either way, I just think he uh, it's just sad that he can't get going and uh, it's a bit of a rant about Pepe. Fans must just be infuriated watching watch him because if you imagine live you kind of obviously get stuck behind the ones that at least putting their body around putting some tackles in he just doesn't seem like that kind of player that at least at the moment he seems to have no real go and you think with someone like Aubameyang who was out I don't think Lacazette was playing like they're two people that probably put him out of the team recently um, but he's never seemed to have got going who bought him was it it wasn't Arteta was it no it must have been Emre I guess. yeah yeah Right, League One, just to add, there's three matches postponed due to COVID, so um, not as many fixtures took place as, as originally were meant to be planned, but there was a big result for Lincoln City, well, as in big uh, scoreline, 4-0 at Northampton, so they got back to winning ways after two defeats in a row, so they still sit in second place, joint on points with Portsmouth at Chelsea top. Four losses on the bounce for Northampton, so very worrying times, and they're just one place and one point off the relegation. So looking a bit worrying for those guys. Plymouth versus MK Dons, not the highest scoring matches, but two teams both really needed the points, and Plymouth ended up getting all three, thanks to a 68-minute winner from Hardy, who's on season-long loan, actually, from Blackpool. So Plymouth finally ended their six-match um, League One losing streak, thanks to, like I said, that uh, winner from Ryan Hardy's 43% possession. So not actually much possession, but 14 shots on uh, on target, or sorry, 14 shots within the game. 14th place now, but only five points off relegation. That's Plymouth and MK Dons have not won in four matches in a row now. So that's 19 points and they're just two points off the drop zone. And then finally, the last one I wanted to mention was Rochdale versus Gillingham. 4-1 to Gillingham in the end, away from home at the Crown Oil Arena. Gillingham had lost their last two matches, but 37% possession, 17 shots and 10 on target. So pretty good stats, actually. And Rochdale continue really with their inconsistency throughout the whole season, really. And they're only two points above relegation. Uh, whereas Gillingham moved further away, so they're on 26 points now and nine points above the drop zone. So down into League Two, some cracking matches in League Two actually, and uh, top of the league, Newport were unbeaten at home, but the team who seem to get a mention every week actually uh, on this podcast, Oldham Athletic. So Harry Kewell's lads uh, went there, they were 2-1 down, and then uh, Newport missed a penalty. Apparently um, the manager was a bit fed up with that because um, Michael Flynn, the manager, said that Sheehan uh, shouldn't have taken it. Sorry, Sheehan should have taken it, he's a nominated penalty taker. But uh, Amand decided to take it instead and missed it uh, when they were 2-2. So um, it went to uh, went to the end and Oldham won 4-2. Absolutely fantastic win for Oldham. Uh, saying Newport were top of the league and hadn't been beaten at home. 
Uh, that's all them six consecutive away win. They beat Exeter, Cambridge, now Newport. I mean, they're absolutely, they must have probably the best away record in the whole four divisions, I would have thought. So brilliant, so a fantastic win for Oldham at Newport. Takes Oldham, they're still only up to 14th, because I think they lose most of the home matches, but um, yeah, having a cracking time away from home under Michael Flynn. Sorry, under uh, under Harry Kuehl. League 2, Barrow. Barrow 3, Cheltenham 0, Cheltenham in promotion places. Uh, and Barrow uh, perilously close to the bottom. Uh, even having won yesterday 3-0, they're still in a really bad position, but uh, what a fantastic win. Uh, over 1,300 fans there, snowing, raining. Um, actually snowing? Yes, yeah, snowing, really? raining, and it's, um, <laughs> I mean, it's a stadium, Holker Street, a stadium I've been to on dozens and dozens of occasions, and I imagine they'll all be there in the T-shirts and the shorts watching. Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, it is a, it's, it, the wind beats across the <laughs> ground, and it's a, it's a awful place to go, and uh, oh it just God. looks like Barrow um, dominated 1-3-0, so absolutely brilliant win for them. Quigley penalty. I've not watched a Quigley penalty, but I hear that as he's about to take it, one of the opposition picked his lump of mud up and chucked it out. No. So I have to look, go back onto the uh, catch-up and watch that. Quigley got this penalty, James and Biggins got the other two. So 48 years they took to get back in the league and we're all praying they don't go straight back down But because that would be really, uh, really painful. I said they're still in a tough position. They've got Port Vale away on Boxing Day. Fingers crossed they'll get something there. And then the final one, a seven-goal thriller, Walsall 4, Port Vale 3. Takes Walsall up to eighth. That's their fourth win on the bounce. bounce. Two each for Scrimshaw and Scar. Shots on target. There's actually only uh, 11 shots on target and there's seven goals. So brilliant percentage wow. rate of scoring, that's for sure. Walsall manager Daryl Clark, ex-lower league player. Played for Mansfield and Hartlepool predominantly. And he's managed Bristol Rovers and, uh, and Walsall. So a good win for Walsall, 4-3 in a cracking match. And finally, just a quick mention, the big Humber derby. Grimsby-Scunthorpe, two of the teams, uh, 19th and 18th respectively. Uh, and the bragging rights are Grimsby's. So Holloway's team, Grimsby 1, Scunthorpe 0 in the Humber derby. You've got some quite good um, Barrow merchandise, haven't you, when they got promoted up to League 2? Barrow-Salona, <laughs> yes. And also, haven't they got a new stand going up, isn't they? Yeah, have you yeah, they got permission for a new stand? Let's say it's an old-fashioned ground, old-fashioned town. I mean, it's um, let's just hope and pray they stay up. Yeah. Right, rave. Like I said earlier, I was very close to going about Big Sam for my rave this week, and then the Sunday result kind of changed what I wanted to do actually I think it's only right that we have to surely praise the fact that War of the Roses is back in the Premier League Lancashire versus Yorkshire Reds um, versus Whites Roses and you know after 16 years out of the Premier League Leeds are back in it and we finally got the War of the Roses back and you know what? It's just so great to have a football match that has lived up to your expectation and more. I kind of mentioned it earlier in my roundup, but literally as soon as the match started, you're like, hold on a minute. Here we go. It's You just knew you were in for a great one. As soon as I think it was Rashford and Martial had a few touches on the ball, they all just looked so up for it. And you expect that of Leeds. I think everyone expected what Leeds gave and what they had to offer 
but you just don't know if Man United are going to turn up. And that, for me, is their season so far. Very up and down. And then, what would you know? They completely have the most compelling 90-odd minutes of football. And just proper good, old-fashioned football. They were saying the commentating that 6-2 used to be a regular scoreline and result because matches were so open and... Do you know what? VAR didn't get involved hardly at all. It was quite a feisty affair, but there were no unnecessary red cards. It just was really good, proper football. And um, do you know what? The You could really feel like the fans were there in spirit. And it would have been amazing if the fans had been allowed to go in. And these were the stats, okay? Man United actually had 41% possession. 26 shots from United, 17 from Leeds, 14 on target for um, United and obviously just three on target for Leeds. So 43 shots altogether in the match, Um, 24 corners altogether. It just was one of those matches. And you know what? I think we've obviously all had, this has been such a tough year and um, I think this is just really what we needed and it's not been the best weekend for news like I said from Boris and things like that so for me and I know you dad lovely obviously loved it as well it just was a, it was a brilliant match and certainly worth my rave today what about you what's your rave well my rave is about John Stones I can't believe I'm raving about John Stones but I just think um, yeah it is genuinely good to see a young because he's still in a young young uh, English centre-back come back to form really as I said on the telly, it's a shame he needed to soul search before he did that. But <laughs> whatever was stopping him getting stuck in, he certainly, uh, when they showed the highlights and showed all the stuff he'd done, definitely, definitely textbook defending, great positional play, great tackling, great heading, great distribution. Uh, and since he came back, he's done absolutely brilliantly in the team, to be fair. Barely let a goal in since Stones came back. It looks like he's... Um, yeah, literally. Since they let company go... Uh, they've sort of struggled to get established centre-backs who are going to play every match. And if Stones can establish himself as the first-choice centre-back and stay fit, I think that'll be absolutely brilliant for City. What were some of your reservations for John Stones? Like in the past, you've been... Actually, managers have been a bit reserved about him, to be fair. I always thought he had a bit mistaken him. Every, every time you watched him, you thought he did well for 89 minutes and he'd make a silly mistake, try and do something clever and give a goal away. And you just can't do that in the Premier League. But he seems to have tidied himself up and he's, let's say, seems to be um, performing a lot better. Barnet of the week. Um, well, I've gone for your, well, probably one of the most famous English footballing strikers that we've got these days. I've gone for Harry Kane. I just think he's properly smartened it up, hasn't he? He's done a bit short back and sides, a bit long on the top. He normally gels it back, looks very sneak. Like you never see Harry Kane's hair out of place, do you? It's like always forever greased. Yep. But in a nice way. So, yeah, I just I think you can tell he looks after it really good. He gives it a good condition and it's looking very shiny, but not too greasy. So, um, yeah, for me, my bonnet's Harry Kane. Uh, mine's one we've had before at least once with Charlison. Seems to have rediscovered his hair again. Uh, rediscovered <laughs> his form a bit. So he's back yeah. in the team, the winning when he plays. Another talisman, really. And um, really sort of um, getting back into form with the Everton team. And uh, I don't know what he's done now. He's oh, he shaved put some it lines in it, and he's. Yeah. Really, I mean, it is trendy off the scale. I couldn't do it. Very, very trendy. No, you couldn't. Very trendy style <laughs> for uh, Rich Allison at Everton. 
ones to watch. Well, this is exciting. We're going to be chatting about the Boxing Day fixtures and my one to watch. Early kickoff, actually, 12.30 is Leicester versus Man United. Obviously, two teams going, well, definitely for Champions League slots, obviously hoping to try and win it. Both in and out of form, really up and down. Play exciting football. You just hope it is going to be an entertaining match. Unlike, I know we keep going back to it, but that uh, Manchester derby a couple of weeks ago, which was pretty awful. So, yeah, I think Christmas time, because they've all got so many fixtures and they rotate the squads around, it could go either two ways. Yeah, it could be it could be either team. So I'm hoping it's going to be a really entertaining one for that one. And then what's your ones to watch for the championship? Championship, is, um, it's a shame. Boxing Day used to be big local derbies. Didn't seem to be too many these days, actually. But a um, couple of exciting matches. One at the top of the table. So Watford, with the new manager, you expect them to get going. They're fifth now, of course, playing Norwich, who've won the last five games. So if they get a manager in place and get themselves going, Watford might give Norwich a good game. And then secondly, two big teams who have, Wrong end of the table, really. Forest versus Birmingham. Uh, Forest 20th and Birmingham 17th, as I mentioned before. So that'll be an interesting Midlands slash East Midlands derby who gets the spoils there. And then League One, obviously 3pm on Boxing Day, you've got Doncaster Rovers versus Acton Stanley. Just two teams towards the top of the table, obviously 4th versus 8th. Doncaster actually on a really good run. They've had four wins on the bounce now. So it should be quite an interesting match as well because they're both so close. Well, Doncaster within the playoffs and Aki Stanley two points off the playoffs. And then also gone for Crew against Fleetwood. Middle table, ninth versus 10th, but both on a pretty good run. In particular, Crew that have, again, they've won their last three on the bounce. So yeah, so I'm thinking that might be quite a close one as well. Got a bit of a West Country derby in League 2, Exeter versus Forest Green Rovers. Forest Green undefeated, undefeated since the 14th of November, Exeter 6th. So they've lost two of the last three Exeter. So that'll be an interesting match. And then two teams just outside the playoffs, both looking to get some points on the board. Salford in 7th versus Walsall in 8th. Both on the same points. Salford are ahead because they've got 11 goal difference versus Walsall's plus two. And finally, a real cracking local derby actually in the National League. Two teams from Cheshire, Altrincham versus Stockport, 5th versus 10th. If only they could let fans in there, have a full out, they'd have a full house, whatever a full house is. Used to be Moss Lane at Altrincham, I'm not sure if it still is Moss Lane. Uh, Altrincham, Stockport, that would be a cracking uh, local derby in the National League. Right, that's it for this week. We've had a good old roundup. And like we said, there's so many more matches coming up. It's a shame that no one will be able to go to the Boxing Day matches and things like that. But instead, we'll just have to enjoy the football from the company of our own home and a bit of a food coma, actually, after Christmas Day and things like that. So we will be back with some more football chants and rants of the plants next week. We'll see you then.